Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing chapter one from Time of Contempt. I don't know if you noticed but <laughs> I forgot my intro there for a second uh, but we got it we got it we're off to a good start. <laughs> uh, yes so woo! <laughs> we're on to a new book. I probably am not um, in the correct mind state to be recording this podcast today. Uh, but I uh, don't have a backlog going anymore because I was really lazy. And um, I post these every Saturday. And at the time of this recording, it's Friday. So I got to have this done today. I cannot wait until I am better. But you know what? Uh, we've all been there. Sure. All four of you listeners <laughs> uh i've been there too we all have days like that so uh we're just gonna do it we're just gonna go into this um yeah so i'll start you out with a recap of last episode and then i'll give you the summary of this chapter and then i'm gonna talk about the chapter so we left off finishing up Blood of Elves with Ciri and Yennefer developing a close bond at the temple school where Yen was teaching Ciri magic. The two say goodbye to Mother Neneke and head out on the road during a time when a war is likely to begin. All right, here it comes. The summary. <laughs> so here it comes. Like, it's this huge suspenseful moment, but it's really not. Um, but I will say I really love this chapter. And uh, yeah, here, here's why. We begin Time of Contempt with a mounted messenger, Applegat, riding to deliver a message from King Demavent to King Foltest regarding their stage provocation in Dol Angra. Foltest's response to Demavent is to call off the campaign as the mages are gathering for a conclave on the Isle of Thanad, and that may change things. He also notified him that the Lion Cup is dead. This clearly isn't true, as Applegat, during his travels, runs into Yennefer and Ciri, saddling their horses at an inn. When he runs into Ciri, she goes into another trance, accurately predicting the messenger's death. While traveling back to Demaven, Applegat stopped on the road along with many others after a manticore attacked at night. A young boy describes the story of a white-haired witcher who was commissioned to kill the manticore. After completing the task, the witcher traveled to Dorian. The chapter then cuts to Geralt and Dorian, visiting the business of Codringer and Fen. Geralt meets with Codringer to pay him for his services of searching for the person that hired Ryans and for spreading the rumor that Ciri is dead so the northern leaders can end their search for her. During the meeting, Codringer informs Geralt that although he hasn't found out who exactly Ryans is directly working for, it's definitely a sorcerer. He then introduces the Witcher to his partner, Fen, who helps explain that if the false rumor about Ciri's death comes to light, they will have passed along additional information that her claim to the throne is weak, since her father, Dooney, was not a legitimate prince, like Geralt thought he was. Before leaving, Codringer gives Geralt the names of three men who are tracking Yen and Ciri on the road. We're then brought back to the messenger, Applegat, who stops for a meal at an inn at a location called Anchor. In the inn, he meets a strange and suspicious white-haired witcher who warns him not to go out to the courtyard, then suddenly disappears. Shortly after, three intimidating men enter. The witcher calls to them from outside, demanding that either one of them comes out and tells him who hired them, or all three of them come out. All three go out, a fight ensues, and the three men are killed. 
Abelkat continues his travels until he reaches Tredegor, the Redanian capital, to deliver a message to King Vizimir from King Demavend. He delivers the message to Vizimir's spymaster Dijkstra and discloses the false rumor of the lion cub's death. Dijkstra's return message contains orders to cancel the stage provocation in Dol Angra as there's been a betrayal. Before the messenger finishes talking to the spymaster, he tells him about what happened in Anchor. Applegat takes off the next morning to deliver the message from Redania, but he's shot with an arrow by a Scoia'tael and falls from his horse to his death on the hot sand. Hmm. R.I.P. Applegat. Just met him, but yeah, he's dead. So this guy Applegat, he is a mounted messenger, and I, I understand that it's pretty self-explanatory what that means, but just to give a little bit more color, uh, what these guys do is they take messages from one ruler to another. They travel across different countries, different lands to deliver these messages. And they'll have often have a written message and a verbal message. And that's because they don't want to put the very top secret parts of messages, the very top secret information in a written message in case somehow it gets intercepted. So they have to have really good memory, so that way they can recite what the verbal message is. And these guys actually haven't been necessary for a while because there were mages who could deliver messages using magic, and it would take them, it would basically just be like them having cell phones, like they could just call each other up and tell each other whatever it is that needs to be communicated. But right now, there is a lot of disarray between the rulers and the mages, so they are actually trying to keep this information from the sorcerers. And that's why the mountain messengers are necessary. So the content of a lot of these messages implies that this war is imminent. I mean, it's been seeming that way for a while since like almost, I guess, like the last half of Blood of Elves or at least the last two chapters. And he's got a lot of um, information from these messages. Plus he sees a lot of things on the road. He hears a lot of stuff on the road. Um, during his travels, he sees a lot of troops and he hears about this, um, how the Scoia'tael orchestrated a massacre at a Kedwini fort. And then the humans in Kedwin's capital retaliated to this massacre with a pogrom and they killed almost 400 non-humans. So, yeah, since we left off uh, from Blood of Elves, nothing seems to have improved much. And I don't know that really that much time has gone by. I don't think it's really been too long. But still, um, if if it was even just like a couple of months, uh, the whole threat of war has not gone down. Plus, there's also been gossip that he heard about of the Wild Hunt or sightings of the Wild Hunt near Broccolon. And just to provide a little bit of background on that, although I feel like most people listening... I'm sure you know exactly what the Wild Hunt is. I, I'd be very surprised if anybody didn't, um, especially if you play the games, because The Witcher 3 is literally called The Wild Hunt. <laughs> but just in case you don't, uh, we did hear one mention of it in the books before. It was in the second short story from Sword of Destiny, the one, A Shard of Ice. Very brief mention in there, just like in this chapter. But it's basically this spectral army that gallops across the sky. And it's said that Wild Hunt sightings heralds war. So... That's just another sign that things are not looking good. Doesn't look like there's going to be peace or like the, the peace after the last war is going to continue for much longer, which sucks. But you know what? With the way things are going, it's really not surprising at all. 
And I know the stuff with the Scoia'tael isn't directly related to the war, but I mean, we know that it is Nilfgaard that got them going. So, you know, every little plan that all of the different leaders are making, not just the Northerners and not just Amir, like a combination of them, uh, it seems to be working out. If they want war, I think they're going to be getting their way, unfortunately. So Avogat is traveling, runs into Yennefer and Ciri, and she goes into this trance where she tells Applegat, you will hear, or you will not hear danger when it swoops down on gray feathers. And she also says the sand was hot from the sun. And Applegat dies at the end of this chapter by getting shot with an arrow that had gray feathers on it. And his dead body flops and lands on the hot sand. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit because last episode we learned that in the chapter seven of uh, Blood of Elves, we learned that Yennefer did something to Ciri to make it so that Ciri wouldn't have those nightmares that she was having anymore. But I was wondering if whatever it was that Yennefer did to Ciri would make it so that she would no longer have those trances or be able to get possessed again, like we saw happen um, when we were seeing the story through Triss's perspective. And it doesn't look like whatever it was that Yennefer did helped in that regard. I don't know, because this doesn't seem like she was actually possessed. Like, this seems more like it was just some weird psychic trance. I, I don't know. I mean, they haven't really fleshed out how that sort of thing works yet. But either way, I think that it's probably not a good thing that this is still happening with Siri. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like a huge negative, but I know that from what we heard from Triss, you know, that series is source and I mean, we weren't given too many details on that. It just seems like it's something that if we could, or if, if, if Siri could no longer go into these weird psychic visions and then be completely unaware that it even happened afterwards, that would be the, for the best, I'm sure. But yeah, we learned, we got confirmation pretty quickly after wondering about that last episode that it's not working out the way that I had hoped. Oh, and really quick, actually, um, while I'm on the topic of Applegat's death, uh, not really an important detail, but I thought it was worth mentioning. He was killed by this Scoia'tael person, elf, and that elf was with another elf, and that was actually Teruvial, who we met before in the Edge of the World story from The Last Wish. So it's been a while since we heard anything from her. She was a very minor character anyway. But yeah, she was actually sick in that story. And I mean, she's still alive, so good for her. Just wanted to throw that in really quick. Okay, I wanna move on now and talk about Codringer and Fenn, because this was a pretty important part of the chapter. So Codringer is the face of the company. Fenn is the one who does most of the research in a private room. And a lot of their clients, I'm sure I've never seen them. Geralt didn't even was Garrett wasn't sure that Fenn even existed before he met him in this chapter. So Codringer refers to himself as a modern day witcher because he gets people out of monstrous troubles. And he, he doesn't do this with a weapon though, but he does things like getting somebody who wasn't supposed to receive inheritance from a relative. He gets them that inheritance. Um, he is able to clear people of criminal charges and get rid of any damning evidence. He's able to make one's enemies disappear without a trace or you know like they're just never seen or heard from again 
the means of which she does this are not made entirely clear, but it's definitely a very useful thing. Like their service could be extremely useful if you do find yourself in a situation like that because, well, I don't need to explain why, but unsurprisingly, it seems like their services are extremely expensive. So not just anybody would be able to hire them and Geralt had to take out, I think, like three monsters, like you had to take on three contracts. And when he killed that manticore uh, on the road, he was um, he was paid a lot for that. And he actually tried to charge them a lot of money and they didn't want to pay him that much, but he was able to use those earnings to pay for this service. I think normally, under normal circumstances, somebody like Geralt would not be able to afford this sort of thing. But I think he was working really hard to kill monsters make extra money so that he could do this because it's very important that he does whatever possible to make sure that Siri is safe. So during this meeting, the first thing that Geralt and Codringer discuss is this background that he discovered about Ryan's. So Ryan's attended a magic school in Banard and he got kicked out for stealing. And that's actually a good explanation for why he's not a very proficient mage, why he has somebody helping him. He never finished school. He's a freaking dropout. And then after that, he got recruited into the Kedwin Secret Service. And later on, he spent some time in the dungeons in Sintra because he had accrued some debts. This is important because he was bailed out of those dungeons by a sorcerer. We know it's a sorcerer, but we don't know who because they did a really good job. They very carefully made sure to maintain their anonymity. But this is the sorcerer that is directly giving Ryan's orders. And I want to dive into this in more detail because I was thinking while I was reading this, I was thinking that's kind of strange because we know firsthand, like we heard it out of Amir's mouth, that Amir and Ryan's are working together because when we met Amir, he was asking for status updates on Ryan's. So I was thinking that maybe this sorcerer that's helping Ryan's is like a middleman. But Codringer actually specifically says that he thinks that Ryan's is working for both Amir and for this sorcerer. He doesn't know this for sure yet, especially considering he doesn't even know who the sorcerer is at this moment. So I just wanted to point out that there is a possibility that maybe the, the sorcerer is a middleman. Don't know. I just don't want to dismiss that until we know for sure because like like Codringer, yeah, he's definitely got a lot of inside knowledge on things and he and Fen are capable of finding out a lot more than the average person, but they're, they could easily be wrong. Like they're not perfect. So let's just keep that in mind, I guess, while uh, we continue through these chapters until we get a definitive answer on who it is, because uh, they are definitely working on getting that name. So they've got a list, they narrowed down a list of I think like 20 something sorcerers, they know it's one of them on that list, just not sure exactly who it is yet. But they did say they will have that name soon, uh, which Gerald actually says, I mean, soon is too late. But I think either way, it would be good. Even if they don't, if they can't get it to him right now, which would be better, it's still like later would be better than never. So the next thing that they talk about is Full Test had agents visit Codringer to try to get Codringer's help on locating Siri. And then that is when Codringer created and started to spread this rumor about Siri's death. 
And then Geralt points out that this rumor will likely be exposed as a lie. Because it is a lie. She's still alive and fine. They do have a plan B to this. And the plan B is to try and circulate another rumor that she basically does not have a legitimate claim to the Sintrin throne. And that would be because even though Geralt thought Dooney, her father, we met him in A Question of Price, even though Geralt thought that he was a prince, they did some research, like Fen did research right then and there and looked up his supposed father's family tree. And the man that was that Dooney claimed was his father had a lot of kids, a lot of sons and daughters, but none of them were called Dooney. So even if he was being honest about that and this king of this country um, was his father, he would have probably been a bastard and then he, would have, he wouldn't be considered a prince. And therefore, Pavetta's marriage to Dooney would technically be a misalliance and then the offspring from their union wouldn't have a legitimate claim to the throne. So they are thinking ahead for when the lie of Ciri's death is revealed, whenever or however people start to figure that out. They did consider that, and they're coming up with future solutions. But they do admit that this argument is weak because there are people that might hear that news about how Ciri couldn't really claim the throne because of this whole misalliance thing. And they might take that seriously. They might think, oh, okay, yeah, she's not able to be used as a political piece in this whole thing anymore. But there are some people that might think, well, she still is Calanthe's granddaughter. And Calanthe was revered as the queen. She was highly respected. She she was also very much feared. So because she technically is the granddaughter of Calanthe, they might still see her as somebody that they could use they might still see her as a threat and somebody that should be killed. So they have a plan C. <laughs> and that plan C is immediately dismissed by Geralt. He's like, no way, don't do that. They found a girl, and she's also a Sintrin war orphan, and she looks like Siri. So what they were, were saying they could do is hand her over, and then they'll think they have the real Siri when the real Siri is safe. But Geralt being the good guy that he is, it's like, no, like immediately just shuts that down. You're not doing that. So unfortunately, I don't think that they really have a backup plan. But as far as Ciri's current state of safety is concerned, Geralt is going to continue taking matters into his own hands. Codringer and Fen are going to keep working. They are actually also going to look into this whole child of the elder blood thing that keeps popping up. And it's it's been very ambiguous to us, the reader. But it's also been very ambiguous to them. Like Geralt asks them about it because he doesn't know what it means, but he knows that Ciri's been referred to as that in the past. And they, Codringer uh, and Fen even make a big deal about it, how it's not going to be an easy thing to figure out. But yeah, they are going to start working on that. So maybe we'll get some more answers on what's going on there. Maybe it's related to something with the sorcerer that is trying to locate Siri. But yeah, hopefully, whatever it is, they get to the bottom of that quickly. Hopefully, they get the name of the sorcerer even faster. But yeah, so Geralt is going to start doing whatever it is he has to, or he's going to continue doing whatever it is that he has to do to guarantee Siri's safety. So right before he leaves, uh, Codringer and Fen's office. 
Codringer gives him the name of these three men that are currently hunting Yen and Siri while they're traveling. And he also gives them their anticipated location, which is a hamlet known as Anchor. So Geralt and Applegat, the messenger, end up at this inn in Anchor at the same time. And I actually really loved how this was written in the chapter. It goes back to being told through Applegat's perspective. And he runs into Geralt, so like it kind of just reconvenes at this really convenient place. Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So Applegat is there. He runs into this witcher, witcher that he actually previously heard about. And he's he seems pretty fishy. He's like, a, you know, he's definitely a little bit intimidated. Also kind of like, you know, just doesn't trust the situation, doesn't know what's going on. And then the witcher, Geralt, uh, kind of just disappears out of nowhere. And then these three men walk into the inn. And right at, like not that long after they walk in, Geralt is outside and he's calling out to them saying like, you know, come out or like one of you can come out and give me the name of who hired you. I'll let you guys go. They don't do that. They go out ready to fight and he kills them all, which is really impressive considering uh, Codringer actually warned Geralt about these men. Like he said, like, this isn't the Michelet brothers. Like this is, this is worse. Like these guys are very lethal. They're hired thugs that you probably are not going to be able to be. And I know Geralt's a witcher. He's very capable fighting dudes like that. I mean, he can fight monsters. He can fight people. But still, I mean, just considering like that they're supposed to be extremely skilled and very lethal and he's able to take three of them out, it's still, it's still worth being impressed by. <laughs> so it's good that these guys are out of the picture. But the crappy thing is that there will probably be others even with the rumor circulating about Ciri's death. So whoever hired them isn't going to find out that they failed in their mission and got killed and then just be like, oh, well, that's okay. Like they're gonna send more people. And very shortly here, I'll get into why that is. So Applegat, he's at anchor. He sees that situation. He continues on his job to go to Tredegor, the capital of Redania. So he can deliver the message from Demavend to Vizimir about Ciri's death and then more details about this whole planned provocation in Dolangra. So for the Dolangra thing, he talks to Dijkstra because Vizimir is unavailable, but he's able to talk to Dijkstra. We know who he is. We met him last book. Uh, Dijkstra replies to Demavend by telling him to call off the Dolangra mission since there was a betrayal and Amir is apparently just waiting for an excuse. So I guess with that, it would look like the Northerners broke the truce between them and Nilfgaard if they continue with their plans after this betrayal. Not a lot of details on what that betrayal was, but the crazy thing is that Applegat gets killed by a Scoia'tael, so he's not getting that message to Demavend probably not going to play out well for the northern leaders <laughs> because i'm thinking what's going to happen is this um there was this betrayal amir is aware of what's going on and what basically it's just going to be like I, i'm not able to hammer out the finer details without knowing but basically what's probably going to happen uh large picture is um it's going to look like the northerners broke the truce Nilfgaard will then have good reason to attack and the war will officially get kicked off. And then they aren't really going to get support from the other people that they need support from, the Northerners, um, 
for this new war because it's going to look like they were the ones that initiated it. And that, like the mages, for example, they made a pretty big deal about the fact that uh, Vigilfort signed like a peace treaty with Nilfgaard. And they want the mages' help because the mages played a really big part in them winning the previous war. And I don't think that they're going to want to be included on that now because they think they're going to think that they were the ones who broke the peace treaty. They might be pretty pissed about it. I don't know. Maybe they would still help. We'll have to wait and see. But the other part of Applegat's message was, you know, telling t- telling him that the lion cub was dead. And then after they're done with the message exchanges, Applegat tells Dijkstra about what he saw in anger. And that's not part of his job. He was kind of just doing that, uh, just, I guess, making conversation. And he tells him, and then Dijkstra's response is, uh-huh, and the lion cub is dead. And Applegat's like, huh? And Dijkstra's just like, don't worry about it. But Dijkstra is an extremely intelligent person. And I don't even think it takes that intelligent of a person to be able to figure out like, oh, Geralt is out there killing people, killing these three hired thugs. Yeah, the lion cub is not dead. Like that's that's a lie. And even though I, you know, I just discussed this, they, they were aware that this rumor wasn't going to last forever. I think that it would have been a lot more useful if this rumor would last a while longer, but it looks like it's going to be exposed as a lie way sooner than they anticipated. And that probably means that there's gonna be people coming after Siri again, like way faster than they would have been if it wasn't for Applegat and his big fat mouth. <laughs> so yeah, that sucks. Uh, I don't know how quickly they're gonna be able to Uh, pass on that information. I mean, they're using these messengers now, so they do have to travel really far. It's not going to be as quickly as it would if they were going to communicate the the truth about Siri through mages, but it is only a matter of time before they all learn, and then she's going to be, well, Geralt, Siri, they're going to be back to square one as far as her safety is concerned, so that sucks. Okay, so for my closing thoughts, hopefully Yen and Siri get to their destination safely. I mean, those guys aren't after her anymore, uh, but they're, they probably were not at their destination yet from um, where this chapter left off. And they're going to Thaned for the Conclave of Mages. And I was wondering where they plan to go after the Conclave is done. Like, I don't know if they're going to go somewhere and stay there more long term. Then I was also wondering if Geralt's maybe going to go meet up with them because he wasn't very far behind where they were when he was in Anchor. So, uh, yeah, maybe he will. And that would be kind of cool to see the three of them reunited. But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully we'll get to witness from Yen's perspective how this conclave goes because a lot of importance has been placed on this meeting. So there's the possibility of something big coming out of it. Like some big decisions are gonna be made and it's gonna have an effect on the war. It's gonna have an effect on how a lot of things play out in the future. So it would be nice if we got to see it from the perspective of somebody who's there as opposed to hearing bits and pieces of it from third parties later on. And hopefully, there's this. my closing thoughts are basically me just hoping for a lot of stuff. Hopefully Codringer and Fen quickly figure out who exactly the sorcerer that is in charge of Ryan's is. And we did actually get confirmation that Ryan's is currently in hiding 
for the time being. So that's good. But, I mean, he's just one person. And just like those other guys, those three guys that Geralt killed in Anchor, Ryan's is replaceable. I mean, if he's not going to be actively chasing down Siri right now, I'm sure they could send anybody else. So, yeah, there wasn't really a lot of positivity that came out of this chapter, but it was a great chapter nonetheless. I think that this was a fantastic way to kick off this book, and it really makes you excited to continue reading the subsequent chapters. So it's good stuff. Okay, so that's all I got for you. Just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube with video, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts with just the audio. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining, and I will catch you in the next episode.